Uh, it's good to see you one and all, and we trust that God will be most definitely here. Uh, this morning I spoke about stepping out of the boat, or when you feel that uh, sinking feeling, and I think quite a few people said, uh, that's exactly how I feel. Um, but it's wonderful that when Jesus is in the boat, we can smile at the storm. And, and this morning I mentioned that I was going to speak on a message called, Welcome to the Church. A lot of people are confused as to what the church is, or who represents the church, or what the church is about. I have just a simple little uh, short message, well, short, in my, uh, on the, in my estimations anyway. It'll only be an hour and a half. Um, and and uh, um, it's, it's about, it'll, it'll give us the rough, bare bones of, of the church, and who makes up the church, and what is the church. So if you've got a Bible with you, then I'm going to invite you to turn with me to 1 Peter and chapter 2. I'm just reading two verses, verses 9 and 10. And then I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 16 and just the one verse, verse 18. So it's 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 to 10. And then Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. I'll make most of my comments from 1 Peter reading, but I want to read it first and just look at the little text in Matthew chapter 16. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses uh, 9 to 10. And it says there, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who were once, or who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Then over there to Matthew chapter 16, I'm sure you know this little verse, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. And this is what the Lord Jesus said. And I say unto you, Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I say unto you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, you could take every church building in the country and in the whole world, and you could burn them down to the ground, or you can blow them up to smithereens. And the church will still exist in its entirety. A lot of people worship a building. Bricks and mortar. How dare you desecrate my church? And they seem to have the building as the church. And I hear people using phrases like, I'm going to church. And by saying I'm going to the church, they have in their minds that somehow they building is the church. Well, can I say to you this evening that, that the building is where the church meets. We are the church. People are the church. Jesus spoke of building his church, and he never took out building contractors, nor he never suggested an, or engaged an architect. He didn't even buy a plot of land to erect his building on. The building he is interested in is an eternal building, the church. It's a life, a lively building made up of people. People want to join this group and that group and they want to be part of something big. Well, you can't be part of anything bigger than what Jesus Christ is building and that is his church. Now, the only way that you can become part of his church 
is if that you are born again of the Spirit of God. I don't know how many people I have met and they've said, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a born again one. I wonder, is there anybody here today would even dare say that? Because you cannot be part of the church unless you are born again. You are born from above. You are born anew. The Spirit of God has come and exploded into life. That which was dead in trespasses and sin, as Paul refers to in Ephesians chapter 2. You hath he quickened, as it says in the King James, who were dead in trespasses and sin. We have a lot of dead people who think that they're, uh, they're, they're part of the church going to church. You can only be a church member, the member of the church universal, if you've been born again of the Spirit of God. I remember when it happened. It was a Wednesday night in November, just around the road in 24 Tully. I was as dark as night, but I was a broken man, as, uh, having suffered the consequences of the death of our little son and wondered and questioned God over many things that had happened. And was really angry at times, but also searching at times. And I can remember on a hundred occasions when I asked the Lord into my life to save me. But there was no repentance and no understanding. There was no real faith. I was looking for a feeling. But the night in question that I remember and marked down as the night that I was added to the church of Jesus Christ. God came so powerfully. In fact, I would say to you, it was the most powerful preacher that ever, ever lived, the Holy Spirit himself. Came as a consequence of listening to Jim Reeves, therefore I love music. And he was singing a song, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, Have Thine Own Way. I don't even know if Jim Reeves was a converted man, but I do know this, that God used Balaam's donkey so he could use uh, Jim Reeves as well. And a consciousness of my utter lostness Entered into my heart. I used to, as a young fellow, as a teenager growing up, used to have a fear of dying and going to hell. Now, my brother Ronnie's here, and, and Esther, my sister's here tonight, uh, and, and they would never have known this because I would never have shared this. But I tried to do a deal with God. Lord, if you take away nightmares and dreams, because I had a fear of dying and going to hell, even as a youngster. So I made a deal with God. Lying in my bed in Fadu, Castle Sheen, County Monaghan, and in, in, in my bed, and I used to make a deal, Lord, I want to waken up alive. But Lord, will you look after me, and will you keep your hand on me? Don't let me go to hell, and if you do that, I'll start reading your word, and I'll start praying. Now, my family didn't know that. I did that for most of my life. Now, I didn't know that was conviction. I didn't know that that was the Spirit of God singling me out, bringing me out because the church is ecclesia, the called out ones. He calls us out from the usual mundane, lifeless activities of humanity into a life, organ, living organism where we know the life of God and Christ then begins to live out through us. And uh, so, so that was the deal that I did. But this particular night, uh, I, I, I wasn't so much afraid of dying and going to hell I became conscious that I was a hell-deserving sinner and that God wanted to save me and could save me and would save me. And I want to tell you folks, you look at me when I say this, it happened in a moment. Unknown to the rest of the residents in Tully, a supernatural event happened on, November, on a Wednesday night in November. And Trevor Galanders was changed for time and for eternity. Some of you boys went to school with me and you know the kind of character that I am, or was then. 
change took place that I have never regretted in my life. I thank God that through his mercy and grace, I was added to the church of Jesus Christ. Born again of God's Spirit. I know where I'm going tonight. I have absolute assurance. And I have to tell you, and I, I, don't, my, I don't say this boastingly, because when I say it, I know that let him who standeth take heed lest he fall. I have never, ever, ever had the desire to go back into the old world. I fear very few really know about the church. Christ is building something that will reveal his glory. Paul says in Ephesians, I think it's either chapter 2 or verse 3, that you may be to the praise of his glory. He raised Israel in those Old Testament times that they would be a testimony to the grace and the mercy of God. And all the nations might know that there's a God in heaven, even Pharaoh in Egypt. He's building something that will reveal his glory. Not much glory in the church of today, so there's not. Compromise and contradiction, fighting is within and fears without. Opposition, conflict, dispute. To sing a song which I don't agree in church, I don't agree with it. You in your small corner and I in mine. You know it, don't you? And we'll never mix or mingle. The only reason for the existence of the church is for the glory, the praise of the glory of Christ. That's why Christ in me, Christ in me, yet not I, but Christ in me. I don't want you to see Trevor Galanders tonight. I want you to see what God has done for Trevor Galanders tonight. Building something that reveals his glory. For someone who revels in his grace, I revel in his grace. Oh, I, I don't, listen, I don't abuse his grace. The difference between reveling in the grace of God and abusing it, there's a huge number of people who say, who say they plan sin almost, and they say, well, we're in the day of grace and we have no need to worry. Well, that's the abuse of the grace of God because the grace of God requires responsibility and accountability to that grace. Revel in his grace. He's building something that will relay his message, not the message of Elam Pentecostalism or Congregationalism or Presbyterianism or Baptist or Methodist. Brethren, wants us to relay the message of the glory and the majesty of Christ. You agree with that? Someone who will relay his message. How do I do that? I'm not even planning to talk these, say these things, but as the Spirit feeds me, I'm going to feed you. By living a godly life. He leads me in the path of righteousness. For whose name's sake? His name's sake. Why do I live why do I want to live to the glory and honor of God so that people will think well of me? Absolutely not. God forbid the thought. I want to live to the glory of God because of him who has done so much to me. We sang of so much for me. We sang a song this morning where, when I survey the wondrous cross. The last verse says, where the whole realm of nature mine 
That were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands what? My life, my soul, and my all. I want to live for Jesus, folks. I want to relay his message. I want to promote the one who took me from darkness to light, from death to life, from bondage to liberty, and gave me a song and joy in my heart and has given me hope for the future, forgiveness for the past, and assurance and assistance for today. He and he alone deserves all the glory and all the majesty. Someone who relays his message. He's building something that rejoices in his love. Rejoices. How deep the Father's love for us. You, you know, folks, we live in an unliving, unloving world. People can cut you in two in seconds and use nothing but their tongue. They have nothing but aggression and arrogance and harshness and indifference and ignorance in their hearts. That's not the nature and character of Christ. Just have to go to a church business meeting and you'll see the character of that church. They're not portraying the love of Christ. I want to rejoice in his love. I want to reside in his will. I never want to be anywhere where God's not. And I never want to be anywhere where God has never called me. Let's look at this little thought of the welcome to the church. I want you to notice, first of all, from 1 Peter chapter 2, those two verses. If you want to keep them up on the screen, that'll be fine. The material he chooses. You and I go to the greengrocers. Boy, don't we pick over everything to see if we get the best, don't we? We'll always pick the ripest or the greenest or the freshest. When we go to the when we go to Super Value or wherever it is, to Richie Sloan's, wherever, uh, we'll we'll pick out the best and the longest dated yogurts. We want the very best. When we go hunting for cars, we want to make sure she'll do 150 miles to the gallon and she'll not do not to 60 in two seconds. We always want the very best. I, I have a guitar there. I have to be honest and say I'm one of those people who kind of likes his stuff. But then I always say I don't drink and smoke and go with bad women, so I like to spoil myself with something else. <laughs> Somebody once looked at that guitar of mine and says, can I have a wee crack at her? I said, indeed you cannot. And he says, why? For two reasons. First of all, she's a lefty. So only left-handed people can, can use her. And I says, secondly, you could buy a car with the price of that one. And I'm not sure which one was the most important. We always like good things, nice things. We would never go out and buy the worst. We'd never be looking for the worst of the worst. We'd always be looking for the best of the best. And we'd always try to get the best site and the best location and the best furniture and the best TV and the best mobile phone. We're always looking for that which is best. The materials that Christ chooses are a lot different. Many words that we'll use to describe ourselves. Oh, I tell you, I guarantee there's a few of you ladies, or is that a sexist remark nowadays? Do I have to, do I have to say you non-identity individuals? How, how many of you have stood before the mirror before you come out? How's my hair look, darling? Does that coat suit my, the rest of my outfit? What about these shoes? I nearly wore brown shoes and I thought, oh, 
Well, I wouldn't worry about what you'd think, but I'd be worrying about what the wife would think. You always want, and you go to a wedding, and the wee bride walking up the aisle, boy, she wanted to look her best, and he'll just say, darling, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever laid eyes on. We want to look her best. We want to, we'll, we'll describe ourselves. Here's how we describe ourselves. Glamorous. Charming. Intelligent. Good-natured. Kind, gentle, smart, hardworking, loving, likable, and sincere. We also can describe some people as being harsh, arrogant, rough, rash, bad-tempered, lazy, ugly, selfish, greedy, vile. On and on we go. The reality is this. Those words describe both groups. And there's one word describes them all. Sinners. That's who God, Christ, chooses are the materials for his glorious temple. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God? You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your bodies, which are his. His. If you've got a Bible, or you can put it up in the PowerPoint, we're getting very technical literate here, aren't we? 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at these whom he uses and whom he chooses as materials for his glorious and glamorous building. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 to 11. I'll be reading it from the, new, from the King James. The reason is that is because of the King James in my notes. I don't mind what version you really use, as long as it's not a perversion. What know ye not, that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor abusers, nor effeminate, of themselves with mankind. As such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Did you get a little phrase there of those that he chooses and uses as the material that will build his kingdom? I don't know about down here, but They've gone mad in recycling back up north. You'll get a bin for this and you'll have a bin for that. And in fact, we have five bins at the back of our house. There's the brown one for the grass and, and the hedge clippings and, and, and food waste. And then there's a the black bin. And I'm not so sure what goes in. If you're not so sure what goes into the other four bins, I just stick it in there. And then there's another wee pulley bin which has three bins in it. And there's a, there's a blue lid and there's a red lid and I think there's a brown lid. I'm not so sure what they call it. And on the very bottom when you put, you put glass and you put, and you put uh, uh, cardboard and stuff like that. And in the middle when you put all these plastic cartons. And I tell you, whenever you go to shop you're buying plastic cartons and you're not buying food. Did you know that? And then the top one's for paper and, 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 paper and, and stuff like that. Then whenever I have to go to the recycling centre, I'm running from this bin to that bin to the other bin, and I don't know where I've been when I'm finished at the bins. <laughs> and, and the amusing thing is that these recycling centres, they have them well spread out, so you come along with a load of stuff and you park it there, you've run 10 miles before you've even finished. And you, you're so confused when you're coming. All this recycling, I want to tell you, God's the greatest recycler ever was. 
twisted, abused, used, disturbed, destroyed individuals. He says, I'm going to make you into something that will be unto me glory, honor, praise. the flesh and the devil I want you to mark that because you haven't just got one enemy who we all blame the devil we blame the devil on far too much because I tell you sometimes the flesh is, is, partly, is partly to blame we've got three enemies the world, the flesh and the devil and they have taken man and drain the, every drop of godliness and godlikeness out of us. And we have spent our virtues on self and on selfish things. We have pawned our values for a moment's pleasure and self-will. And when the devil and the world and the flesh is finished with you, it will suck the very life out of you and spit you out. God takes them whose lives are wasted and abused and he breathes new life, gives new purpose and brings honour and integrity back to us. Isn't he a wonderful saviour? Aren't you glad God didn't judge you according to your past? Aren't you? Aren't you glad that the things that you thought, the things that you said, the places that you went to, the attitudes that you held, the hurts that you caused, weren't marked down and with indelible ink, never to be erased out? There was a wee man, whenever I was in my first church, my first charge, and he used to come, and I thought it was a false pride, to be honest. Lord, I'm nothing but a bag of dirt. I'm nothing but an old maggot. Is that how you describe me? I stopped him in the prayer meeting. I said, don't pray like that. Do you know who we are? He says in the revelation, he has made us unto kings and priests unto God. We are part of royalty. We are a chosen nation. He takes us from the dunghill and he sets us on the rock Christ Jesus. He takes us out of the mire and he sets us in the choir. What a wonderful name. The name of Jesus. We have become strangers and foreigners to God. But one moment on Calvary 2,000 years ago, he opened up the floodgates of heaven and made a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. And every soul that comes in belief and faith, taking him as Lord and Saviour, I want to tell you he brings us into the family and the fold of God and there's therefore now no condemnation. And I know today in today's world the devil's pointing the finger at Christians and reminding them of stuff that they used to do. I want to tell you tonight if you're under condemnation from the enemy because he often comes to me from thoughts that I used to have and places that I used to go and things that I used to do. He often comes and points the finger of accusation against me and I just remind him I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things passed away and all things have become new. Here's what he said in Colossians chapter 1 and 27. To them God will to make known 
what are the riches of the glory of this majesty among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He gave Christ for me. God chooses those whose lives are wretched and wrecked with shame, marred by addictions. I have a young man in church, and I have to tell you, he's the greatest source of encouragement, apart from Christ, that is, at this moment. And I know that you need to pray for him when I mention him. His name is James. He tried to kill himself 11 times with an absolute hopeless addict, addicted to every substance under the sun. He got saved the night. He was high on drugs. And today, he's a child of God. People have given up preaching the gospel. They say it's a waste of time. Let's not bother with any more missions. So what is it accomplishing? God has not changed the preaching of the gospel. He came to a meeting one night purely because he had let someone else down who had asked him to go to church the week before. God used that very thing to bring conviction on his heart. He says, I'm not letting them down the second time. And he came to a mission about a 70, 65 mile away from where he lived. He had pink hair. You would not, some people would not, I wouldn't say you, but some people would not have given him the time of day. God, like he did for Zacchaeus, stopped at the bottom of his tree. Night, night in thy house. So many messages I got this morning before I came here and before he went to church. Listening to that song that we taught you tonight, he says, my heart's doing thunder, th uh, thunder um, uh, somersaults. My heart's beating like thunder when I think that yet not I, but Christ in me. I'm rejoicing, he says. I can't wait to get to church just to worship him. God chooses those whose lives are wrecked. I want you to take hope tonight. The work of God is not finished. If God says it's finished. If God says it's done. You'll know it's done. He chooses those that are marred by addictions. Gripped with guilt. Polluted with sin. He uses them as the material. For a godly structure. But I wonder we have so much trouble in churches. Look at the material he's using. We look and we go into the different builders, providers. I want the very best of material because I'm building a lovely house for my darling wife. And you'll pay hand over fist. You'll throw yourself into debt a hundred times over. But goes, takes the worst of the worst. Makes them the best of the best. Material he uses. I want to tell you folks, that's the marvel of his grace. That's the might of his grace. That's the majesty of his grace. That's the mystery of his grace. My son, Darren, I know I've told you this last time I was here, but I wouldn't tell you again, anyway. It's a good story. You don't mind a good story now again, so you don't. You're going to get it anyway. You <laughs> My, my, son, my son Darren, he and his wife got married. Or he, him and his fiancée got married. You can't be your wife until you're married. I never kissed my wife until I married her. Did you know that? She was my wife until I was married. Um, 
You were very quick to catch on. <laughs> anyway, um, so we were, we were house-sitting or babies. I can't remember exactly why yesterday I was there, but he, he had one of these fancy baths with holes in it. Those bubbles. You know one? I never used one, never seen one. I just showed you how illiterate I am. I says, Esther, we were staying the night. I says, Esther, he's got one of them baths that blows air into the water. I says, it seems, it seems like a good job. A, 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 what do you call them? A, a coochie coo. Uh, what is it? <laughs> and, and so I said, I'm going to have one. And of course, I went up and, and I didn't know how to work the thing at all. And I threw a pile of water in, well, the water was filling up. And, and I went away and got uh, sort of a change. But I, before I did that, I threw half a jar of bubble bath in it as well. So, whenever I came out, I couldn't get into the bathroom with bubbles. <laughs> and there were bubbles come out of the, out of the key, a keyhole under the door. I couldn't even find where the bath was, there's that many bubbles. You know that song, I'm forever blowing bubbles? <laughs> I mean, I, I couldn't find the bath. All I could see was make my way and feel my way till I got to the bath. And I found the bath and I said, I got the water turned off. I said, what a mess. I mean, I don't know if they ever got it cleared up or not. But let me tell you this, that's something like the grace of God, isn't it? He takes us and he totally immerses us in his grace. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. You might think that you're a waste or a waster, or you might think that you've wasted your life. Well, I wasted the first 26 years of my life, but I want to thank God that he's enabling me to make up for those years that I wasted. Do you that he picks or chooses? What's the price that he paid? Not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, but the precious blood of Christ. Those words sink into your heart tonight. I believe, honestly, folks, that if we fully grasp what that meant to him, the Holy One, to take away our sin, not one of us would leave with an arrogant attitude tonight. The man wanted to witness for his Lord, so he thought of a novel way to do so. He would go through a, a toll road, come to the toll station and he'd pay for himself and the person behind him. And then he'd hand the person that was in the wee hut a wee note. Would you hand this to the driver behind me as he goes through? And his message read, it's a good way to witness, by the way. Jesus, my Savior, paid the full toll for my sin. And I want you to know that he's paid the full toll for your sin. Just as I've paid the toll, 190, for your car and your free access because your bill is paid. There's a man working on the roof of a tall building in a little narrow streeted village in Italy and as he was working away at the top there was a shepherd came walking up the narrow road with a flock of sheep and little lambs and as the man the shepherd with a flock of sheep were approaching the building upon which the man was, was working the man slipped from the roof and the other two on top of the roof they watched their friend as he slid down the roof and 
Down they thought to his death. They scurried off the roof and got into the building, went down the stairs and outside. And there was a man standing up, dusting himself off. How did you survive? He says, come on, I'll show you. And there, just where the man had fell to the ground, one of that shepherd's little lambs had broken his fall. It had paid the price. It had died in his place. It had bore the friction and the, and the, the destruction of the fall because the man fell on the little lamb. That day, 2,000 years ago, the wrath of God fell on my Saviour. He bore the wrath the judgment of God that was due me. He took it all. And I'd be forgiven. He paid the price. And any wee bit of mockery that you're going to endure, it's nothing. And any wee bit of accusation or crimination or discrimination that you're going to face in this godly wicked world is nothing. And you can put your head in the pillow tonight. And you can rest easy. Because the price is paid. He's paid the toll. It's fully met. Sure. As many of us have unfinished business cluttering the highways of our lives. A half mowed lawn, the rain stopped ye. A half read book, well I had taken three books with my three week holiday and I've only managed to get two of them read. I'm looking forward maybe in the next three or four days to get the third one read. Maybe there's a letter, letter started that you never finished. An abandoned diet, ladies. Or a non-returned call. Or a job we quit in the fit of anger. Or a bill never paid. Or a promise never kept. Many of us go throughout life with some half-finished jobs done. There's only one man that ever left life and went into the next. And he could say, I have finished it all. Here's what he said. I have finished exactly what I set out to do. All heard of the theft of identity theft. I want to say to you, Jesus was the first thief of identity. He took your identity and became you. When the wrath of God fell on him. Justice demands payment for sin. And according to the high law of heaven. Your debt has been paid in full. And God only asks. That you acknowledge. That he's done it for you. His dying crimson. Like a robe. Spreads over his body on the tree. Then I am dead to the world, and all the world is dead to me. 
That's what God says to those that believe in Jesus. It's paid. You might have a mortgage. Well, that'll not affect your eternity. You may not owe a man a few pounds. That's not going to do anything in eternity either. But you owe a debt to God. For Christ has paid it all. Johnny Cash used to sing a song the old account was settled long ago. Ah, my time's gone, but I just want to say one little thing further from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 and verses 9 and 10. Look at it. It says, You also as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then you are a chosen generation and on he goes. I want to tell you folks, the church is never ever to be or ever will be a feel-good or a do-good organization. It's a be-good organization. And that is only possible, as I said this morning, through the indwelling power of the Holy Ghost that happens the moment we trust. What blessings are ours? What position is ours? What privilege is ours? We are brought from death to life, from bondage to liberty, from shame to sorrow, and sorrow to joy and holiness. And as part of the church, we are a fellowship of his people, the family of Christ, a reflection of his person, the fragrance of Christ, a bride for his son, the fiancé of Christ, and the dwelling of his Holy Spirit, the freehold of Christ. That's who we are. And he is still working in me. And he's still working on me. And he has put his seal of his Holy Spirit within me. And my race will not be run until he calls me home. And when he calls me home, he'll see the likeness of Christ imprinted upon me because it says, when we shall see him, we shall be. What is the word? What is it? You ever see a wee woman, a wee granddaughter born there? Ah, oh, he's like he's ma- she's like her mommy. No, she's like her daddy. I have to say, the older she's getting, the more she looks like her daddy. But I've never seen the tower of a man six foot two ever ever reduced to um, to such a level as, as Greg has over this wee girl. And may long may it last, I tell you. Long may it last. Ah, isn't it like his daddy? Some crack. As a, if your daddy has a, has a beard like this wee man, were you? <laughs> I, I, I think there should be a new brand of shops. Do you know what it is? Now, this is my... I'm, I'm holding... Don't you steal it on me. It's called the I'll Look It brand. How many times have you looked in the cart and said, I'll look it? Not right, haven't you? I'll look it. Ah, oh, she's like his mammy. Do you know who he's making you like tonight? He's making you like Christ. As I said this morning, he may bring you into storms. He may bring you into trouble. He may bring you into strife. 
but he's knocking the corners of your life. He's fashioning you after his son. He's allowing you to go through the press so that he can see you become more and more like the son that he loved. His church. Welcome to the church. Are you part of this huge building that God has only one one purpose in life and that is to build this church until Christ comes back for her.